Welcome to a special edition of Locked on Astros. I've got local sports anchor Ari Alexander from KPRC Channel 2 to talk about covering the Houston Astros, what it's like being in the business here in Houston, and where he thinks the Astros are headed in 2023. Alvarez, it's a high drive center field. Veer leans back. This game is turned upside down. There's the runner. Fly ball down the right field line. Tucker comes on. Locked on Astros, your daily Astros podcast. Here are your hosts, Eric the Man Heisman and Brett H-Town Wheelhouse Chansey. We are Locked on Houston Astros and we're your daily Astros podcast. Um, thank you for tuning in. My name is H-Town Wheelhouse. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. You can find the show at Locked on Astros on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Remember, we're your team every single day. I've got a special guest with me today, local sports anchor and dubbed by other local media as one of the hardest working men in Houston sports. Ari Alexander, welcome to the show. I appreciate you guys having me. Thank you for the kind words. Yeah, definitely. So Ari, tell everybody where they can find you on Twitter. Yeah, it's uh, rea one Alexander. You can also find me at uh, KPRC2Ari, um, but typically for the most part, it's uh, Ari. It's Ari Alexander, but the L is the number one. There's a guy who is at Ari Alexander, I think, in Indonesia, and he won't give me his account for any less than $600, so I've had to, just had to roll with it. Oh, wow, man, you, you are, your name is out there for ransom. Um, You know, it's funny you mention that whenever the whole website, the dot-com thing started, I remember there was an individual, I think in Florida that bought a bunch of NFL players names like warrensap.com, keyshawnjohnson.com. And these players were like, I can't start websites with my name on it. And he's like, yeah, you can for $500 a piece. And apparently this guy made, made a pretty good chunk of change doing that. He went and bought all these domains with the players, actual names, because that was kind of a dawn of a new age. Of course, that's, really kind of ages ago. Now we're talking to robots and we have holograms showing up as concerts. Mm So times are a little bit changed. You know, Ari, you've been with KPRC since 2019. So you've been here in Houston where Houston, for the most part, growing up, I know for our listeners, we would say for years, Houston was a football town and, and, you know, the Texans still have a, have a large fan base. I know they've had some tumultuous years. The Rockets have the history of, you know, the two NBA titles in the 90s. I remember that when I was in college. But really, it's become a baseball town. What is, like, tell us how you got started here, what it's been kind of like with KPRC and with the Astros being as successful as they are. Well, it's been interesting because the first thing I did really was Texans. I got here in July of 2019, and and obviously the Astros are in the middle of another season where they went to uh, went to the World Series, and they were coming off, obviously, the 27 championship and another good year in 2018 where they went to the ALCS. And so there was, there was the buzz around the Astros, but this was – James Harden was here. The Texans still had J.J. Watt, Deshaun Watson, DeAndre Hopkins, and so there were three very good sports teams that – I would say two of the three had a shot at a championship. I don't think anyone really believed the Texans were a real championship team, but that year they were up 24, nothing on the chiefs before disaster. 
and uh, they ended up having a good season. The Rockets had a good season before they lost to the Lakers in the playoffs, and then obviously the Astros made it to the World Series yet again in 2019. And so it was kind of like uh, a utopia of every team is good or every team at least, if you're a fan, gives you the hope that they can win a championship or come close. And then it all kind of came crashing down for everyone except for the Astros. And you obviously got to give them credit that they've been a dynasty, that you can't expect them to definitely make the playoffs every year and to compete for a World Series championship. And that's something if you're a fan of other teams, I think you take for granted. Like I'm a Mets fan and you just cannot rely on them to compete for a championship every year. Now you sort of expect it with the, the payroll that they have in Steve Cohen. But for the Astros, since 2017 or even go back to 2015 when they started to, to be good, you can rely on them to have a legitimate shot at the championship. It's again this way this year. Next year, I think that they bring back most of this team. And you should be able to, again, in 2024, unless there's a massive collapse this year, rely on the Astros to, again, compete for a championship. And so, uh, you know, when everyone talks about the golden era of Astros baseball, it really is. And I think for Astros fans who have suffered through the tanking years and suffered through all the years, the Bagwell, Biggio, Berkman years, where they were always they had good years and they had great years and they made it to a World Series this is on another level, seeing that not only can you make a World Series, you've won two, you're almost expected to win one every year. Yeah, exactly. And that is that is a mind shift. That is a mind shift, a a just change of perspective. Because I remember the 05, the, the 04, the 05 years when they literally were the team that had, I think, the worst batting average, the worst offense to make a World Series against the White Sox. And it was, I guess, appropriate statistically that they would get swept by the White Sox because the White Sox didn't beat the beat the Sox off them, not to not to use a pun. They they won those games were very low scoring games. It was a very kind of mediocre World Series that you didn't have any walk-offs. You didn't have like the World Series game five like in 2017. But I, you know, I even hearken back to the late nineties. I remember when we picked up Randy Johnson yeah. and at this rental of, of, we had the big unit in town and he was going to take us to the world series and gosh, dang it. We didn't run into the Padres and Kevin Brown and Tony Gwynn. I mean, that series was supposed to go our way, go back to 86 when all the Met being a Mets fan, here's the Mets tie is I've heard every one of those guys say, we are so glad we won in game six because if we would have gone to game seven, we would have faced Mike Scott and he probably would have no hit us. Yeah. That's how much fear someone like Mike Scott struck in the heart of fans. So you're so you're a New York Mets guy. Are you from New York originally? Sort of. So I'm, I was born in Ukraine originally. I grew up in Iowa, but then a lot of my relatives live in Brooklyn. So I would spend every summer in Brooklyn. And the first game I ever went to was a Mets game. So I've been a Mets fan since I was eight years old, went to a Mets Expos game and Mike Piazza was my favorite player growing up and then David Wright. And then obviously now the, the more recent I went to those, I pitched, you know, growing up. And so I went to the more recent, the Matt Harvey's and uh, Jacob deGrom's were more of my favorite players. Yeah. So you were probably the Matt Harvey fan when he was called the dark Knight, or oh, he yeah. had the he's my favorite right? player. Yeah. I, he is. <laughs> yeah. I'm a, a big Matt Harvey fan. Sad to see him retire from uh, baseball and, and kind of what happened, but there's going to be a great 30 for 30 made about Matt Harvey here in five, 10 years or so. Yeah, definitely. And, and so and so let me ask you about that, because, you know, we hear we hear a lot, a lot of chirping from Yankees fans. You know, Yankees, 
the Yankees have the 27 rings, and they will remind you of that in any conversation you have. You could be talking about spaghetti. You could be talking about Caesar salad or a car wash, and they'll bring up 27 rings. They'll, they'll work that into the conversation. And I know being a Mets fan has kind of been a long-suffering thing for you guys as well. Since 86, yeah. you know, when y'all won, y'all won the World Series, you had um, guys like Mookie Wilson, Gary you know, you know, Gary Carter, Keith Hernandez, or I, I mean, all the all the great Mets players from the 80s that I loved having their baseball cards because they had value and worth. But since then, between now and then, Steve Cohen's kind of been a breath of fresh air for Mets fans. What are what are Mets fans really feeling about this club? Like they went out and spent all this money and, and I think they're, you know, starting to play a little bit better. I know they did just get sweeped recently this last week by the Blue Jays before the Blue Jays had Houston come up. But what is the feeling? Is it feeling like, okay, we're, we're going to spend this money. Maybe we won't get there this year, but is there hope or is it kind of this perpetual pessimism as being, you know, being a Mets fan? Uh, it's a mix right now. I mean, I think the big storyline that's been going on for the past month with them, and it's it's something that the Astros have been dealing with to a lesser degree, is playing the rookies. Uh, the, the Mets have, they call them the baby Mets. They have a third baseman, Brett Beatty. It's actually from Austin, Texas, uh, who finally is starting to get everyday playing time over Eduardo Escobar, who is, you know, is on a bigger contract, right? Francisco Alvarez, the former number one overall prospect in baseball, has been great at catcher. He, you know, nearly won rookie of the month in May, and he was kind of trying to fight for playing time. And they recently DFA'd Tomas Nito to clear a spot for him. But then Omar Narvaez is now back from injury and in the lineup. So, again, how much do you play this guy who is a potential rookie of the year in the National League? And he's battling for playing time over a guy that they just signed. They weren't ready. They didn't do the thing the Astros did where they immediately turned over shortstop to Jeremy Pena after Correa. They were not ready to give Francisco Alvarez the catcher spot this year, and they went out and signed Omar Narvaez. And then they have the third baby met is uh, Mark Vientos, who's kind of a hard to find a defensive spot for him. First base, third base, not great on D. He's a hitter. And uh, right now at DH, they, they have this split. They have Daniel Vogelback, who they traded for last year, and he has been awful, and he doesn't swing the bat. And everyone wants Vientos to play, and he's been getting inconsistent playing time. So Vientos is almost like uh, Yiner Diaz, where you have this very good hitting prospect. You're not necessarily sure about his defense, although I know Diaz grades out much better defensively than Vientos does. But he needs to be in the lineup to get consistent at bats because you know he can hit. And that's something that the Astros have seen or fans have been frustrated about with Diaz. And then the Mets fans parallel have that same frustration about Vientos. And so now every day, when they set a lineup, you know, every team's fans worries about the lineup. It's the count of how many baby Mets are in the lineup, one, two, or three. And if you get less than two, then the, the fans get upset. And so it's that's what's been looking for every day. Same with, you know, the Astros come out with the lineup and is Myers in, is Jolks in, is Chaz in, is Yiner in, you know, is Yiner playing first? And, and so I think these fan bases all go through the same thing. But uh, I do think there's a little bit more trust uh, from the fan base and the Astros because whatever complaints fans have had over the past five or six years, the result has been four World Series trips and two titles. Yeah, exactly. And it, it doesn't necessarily give comfort to a lot of people. And here in the next segment, we're going to talk about I want to talk about some of the Astros lineup construction, the state of the Astros, what you think about Diaz and Maldonado thing and things like that. But before that, we want to talk about bird dogs and let me tell you bird dogs is the these these shorts that i have from bird dogs i've never had anything more comfortable 
than the shorts. They're designed to fit slimmer. They, I mean, they feel great. The material is amazing. If, if I were you, I would go ahead and grab the shorts with the liner in them. I'm telling you, I haven't felt better in a pair of shorts. Like I feel like in these shorts, they're so nice. I could literally go out on a date with these shorts. I could go to a golf tournament. I could go to a business meeting and people be like, man, what are those? Like they're bird dog. They use anti-shrink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry. And I can tell you this, look, I'm not being braggadocious, but I even look good in them. And I know you will look good in them as well. So go to birddogs.com slash locked on MLB under the promo code locked on MLB for a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. The birddogs.com slash locked on MLB for your free Yeti style tumbler. You won't take, you won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you now you, you, you probably will have to at some point, but I'm telling you, they are that comfortable. So check out bird dogs. They are definitely top of the line. And if you are listening to the show on Friday, you will have to check out the Astros on Saturday. They play the Guardians at 5.10 p.m. Central Standard Time. Catch every pitch of the Astros hometown broadcast. Sparky and Ford have you locked in with the Sirius XM app. Search the SXM app and search Astros. And eventually you'll be able to find all Locked on Astros podcasts and episodes on the Sirius XM. Um, so, Ari, you bring up some interesting things because it seems like because I'm so involved in social media and sometimes I wish I wasn't, but it's a necessary evil in my life because I've got to keep up with the times. And, and it's so funny. You've got your Facebook faction and you've got your Twitter faction. You know, Facebook people think that Twitter people aren't smart and Twitter people think that Facebook people aren't smart. And there's these little wars. Oh, you're not on Insta, whatever kind of thing, the younger generation. But we see all this talk about you know, lineup construction. And earlier in this week, the Astros just laid it on the Toronto Blue Jays in the first game of their series. Yanner Diaz comes up with four hits. And then the next day, the lineup came out on Tuesday, and we see that Dusty Baker sitting Yanner Diaz just infuriating the fan base. You know, and I love Jeremy Brennan um, from the radio from 94.5. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, 97.5 ESPN. Um, he always puts out a tweet. Now, what's wrong with Dusty's lineup? Almost like stoking the fires of division. Jeremy yeah. is, you know, twisting, you know, poking the bear a little bit. But what is what is your take on this lineup construction? Do the do the Astros fans possibly make too much about who's hitting where? How many games are they playing? Or does someone like Diaz simply need to be playing more? Um, I mean, it's a mix of both. Obviously, everyone is not going to necessarily agree with the lineup unless you're going out and getting a bunch of runs every game. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Baseball is hard. Guys are comfortable in different spots. Um, like, you know, Jeremy Pena got all this hate from the analytic community during the playoffs. Like, why are you batting a guy with a 290 uh, on base percentage second? And then he goes out and wins World Series MVP because he feels comfortable in that spot. I've talked to Dusty about this. Jeremy wants to be in the two spot. Dusty would maybe rather have Michael Brantley in the two spot. Michael Brantley is not currently available. So right now you put a guy who, one, wants to be in the two spot, feels comfortable in the two spot, and that lineup construction works for you even if the, you know, the analytic community doesn't agree with it. So you keep paying you in there until Michael Brantley is available and you can move Jeremy down to sixth or seventh. Um, the Maldonado versus Yiner Diaz is going to be one of the more interesting subplots of the season. Um, you, yeah, you do need to play Yiner Diaz. Martin Maldonado is signed through this year. There is no indication that the Astros will re-sign him after this year. There's also no indication that he's going to retire. So he's likely going to be 
playing somewhere else. And the Astros have all of these catchers coming up. You don't necessarily <laughs> need Martin Maldonado in 2024. They picked up his option vested last year where he played more than 90 games. And he is a luxury on this team. If you didn't have Maldonado, you could throw out Yiner Diaz, have Cesar Salazar as your backup, potentially have Corey Lee, and then there's Luke Berryhill and all these other guys coming up. So their system is healthy when it comes to the catcher position. And there's a ton of catchers to be had, backup catchers. Look at, you know, Mets are a good example. They just DFA'd Tomas Nito. You can go get Tomas Nito for a lower-level prospect, and he is a perfectly adequate backup MLB catcher. Is he going to hit a lot? No. But is he good with the staff? He's fine, right? So that's a guy right. you can go get. Tucker Barnhart was available on the free agent market for fairly cheap this year. He's on the Cubs now. But the Astros could have went and got him. And I had heard uh, from some sources close to Tucker Barnhart, he would have loved to play for the Astros and, and been wow. a complimentary piece on that team. And so catching is out there. You can find a backup catcher. It's not that hard. It's just how comfortable do you feel with Yiner Diaz immediately taking the reins? And it's different in different spots. Last year, the Astros went all in on Pena shortstop. Shortstop is obviously an extremely uh, important position. And you lost Carlos Correa, who is an all MLB level player, a $300 million level player. And you just said, all right, we're not paying you. We're going to put this rookie in. And it obviously worked out great. Right. And this year you have a bridge. You have Maldonado, who is excellent with the pitching staff, who is the clubhouse leader when it comes to the offense and generally. Right. I would say Maldonado is probably the overall clubhouse leader. And then the second tier is the Hector Neris's, the Jordan Alvarez, Alex Bregman's of the world are uh, are below that. But I think that the uh, the guy that they go to on final say type of matters that would have been Carlos Correa a few years ago is now Martin Maldonado. And uh, so he has so much respect from the clubhouse. He has so much respect from Dusty. I think that he probably would have played less earlier this season if the Astros hadn't started slow because Dusty wants his best defensive construction out there, and that includes the pitch calling and just the little things that Maldonado provides. I think once you see the Astros start to roll a little bit, maybe they eventually overtake the Rangers in the division, stretch that lead. Then you'll start to see more Yiner Diaz. You'll start to see more rest days for Maldonado. I just think that they didn't want to get too far behind in the division. And so your best lineup construction, at least according to Dusty, has Martin Maldonado in it. And, you know, that's something that I've tried to explain. And, you know, something I've learned, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure you know this just in life. When someone has their mind made up, there's not a whole lot you can do to change it except present your side of the story and hope that they hear a little bit of what you're saying from all the professionals, from all the pitchers that we have talked to um, talk to Luke Berry Hill. I actually, I've actually talked to Corey Lee up about this, just, you know, off the record on the side, talk to Jason Bell with the Astros, talk to um, Elvis Rodriguez with their Dominican summer league. Um, and they all say the same thing. Like, you know, Ryan Stanek. I mean, Martin Maldonado puts in more effort and more study and more like grueling work than they've seen of any catcher in their career. And a lot of people can't get past the the stats and the stats are hard to ignore. The the lack of plate presence that he has, right, the diminishing defensive abilities that he's shown because of his age. But at the same time, when you tell me, because you've been in the clubhouse, you've interviewed these players, you've talked to them, 
And so you have a pulse. You you have a you have a hand literally on the pulse of the club. And you just confirmed to me what I've been told by players is that he is the leader of the clubhouse. And you don't just rip the leader from his leadership position because you have a lot of people that could show you on a spreadsheet why this guy should be out there versus this guy. Because I think baseball a lot of times, well, I know it is. It's more mental a lot of times than it is physical. It's not the guys, you know, it's it's not a Abreu's lack of ability to hit. We know Jose Abreu can hit. We know Jose Abreu can hit for power. But it's been, I think, a big shift for him. I think mentally it's just been a struggle. And he's just starting to get comfortable in the clubhouse. So he's starting to come around um, on this team. And so lineup construction, you know, I love Bregman hitting fourth. We on the show, Eric even said it. He goes, they need to put Bregman at cleanup. And what do you know? He's been hitting cleanup. And he's been he's been the old Alex Bregman, you know. That's that's what I love about this team. So looking at that, looking at the pitchers that are that are down, the injuries we have, you know, Altuve kind of back and forth. Um, in in the next segment, in the last segment, I'm gonna I'm gonna get your take on where you think this Astros team is gonna go. Who maybe maybe some names you think that are out there for free agency, and then maybe give us a couple stories that you've got for us. Maybe something you can share with us that you've had, you know, fun interactions with the players. But before we do that, I want to talk about game time. Now, look, a lot of y'all out there, you want to, you're like, I've got a plan next month. You know, you're you're looking at the calendar in June and, you, and you're trying to figure out which game in July you can go to because you got to get tickets because they'll sell out fast. Well, you know what? Actually, with game time, you can wait till the day of. This is a great app. You download it. It's easy to use. Use the code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off. And I literally did this year. Um, I walked up to a game, and I wanted to get tickets. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to check my game time app. I opened it up. I sat section 109, row 12, seat 5 for 45 bucks. I'm telling you. I was like, why, why would I have paid full price for this ticket? Why would I have paid an overcharge? And what's cool is game time says this. If Ari, if you have the game time app and you find a ticket in, in the same section in the same row on a different app and it's cheaper, they'll discount you. They'll give you back 110% the difference. So they'll put that money back into your account and you'll have more money to go to not just Astros games, concerts. If you have someone that you like goes to likes the improv or ballet, whatever you like, game time is there. No need to plan. No need to fumble through your phone or your purse or whatever you got. Just two clicks, boom, purchase the ticket. Go to game time today. Use the promo code locked on MLB for $20 off. And please do not forget that on Saturday, the Astros play the Cleveland Guardians at 510 Central Standard Time. Catch every pitch of the Astros hometown broadcast with the Sirius XM app. Search Astros. So, Ari, let's let's talk about this. Let's talk about, I think. A lot of people are like, okay, are the Rangers for real? And I think the trajectory of the Astros plays out in the Astros' favor. We do know this past week, and we'll kind of mention it. I know it's a little sore spot for you, but one of your favorite players on the planet, they just announced a day before it came out on Tuesday, he was going to the 60-day IL. Everybody's like, don't panic. It's retroactive. He's He's been out about 40 days, so he can come back towards the end of June. Tuesday, they announced he's going for Tommy John. Um, that has playoff implications for the Rangers. 
Do you see the Astros at some point in June or July taking over the AL West, or do you think they'll be chasing the Rangers all regular season? Um, I mean, because I cover the Astros and I see them more, I'm generally, I think, a little biased toward them and inclined to believe that they're going to, and from what I've seen the past however many years, that they will eventually overtake the Rangers. I think that Astros fans who are worried that the Rangers are finally good uh, have a right to be worried for that. Their lineup has been simply one of the best in baseball. Their pitching staff is pitching to their abilities. These are not random guys, and I don't want to you know, disrespect like Bryce Elder He's leading the league in ERA um, or close to the league leading ERA, and that's not someone you'd expect, right? But Nathan Eovaldi going out and pitching a 220 ERA, he can do that. He has the ability to do that. John Gray was a high first-round draft pick who's a guy throwing 100 miles an hour in Oklahoma when he was in college. If John Gray's pitching well, it's because John Gray has that ability. Andrew Heaney is hit and miss, but Andrew Heaney was, again, a first-round pick back in the day to the Marlins. I saw him in 2011 Cape Cod League when I was doing play-by-play for the Brewster Whitecaps. All the guys that they have on that pitching staff, Dane Dunning is an ex-top prospect. The guys that they're throwing out there, and Martin Perez we know is giving the Astros trouble, the guys they're throwing out there, they're just hitting their top level, and, and it's there. It's not you know uh, guys that are just coming out of nowhere and just randomly throwing up six innings of one-run ball. These are good pitchers who have been worse than they can be, and they're finally hitting the stride. Their offense – is excellent. They have a bunch of good hitters who are finally hitting well. You know, the Mitch Garbers, the Jonah Himes of the world, Adolis Garcia, they have a dangerous and deep lineup. They have the potential uh, AL Rookie of the Year. I think it's going to come down to Young and uh, to uh, Hunter Brown. Those two guys are probably going to battle out for it, whether or not you like the pitcher, whether or not you like the position player. Um, They're very good. The thing is, is that they haven't been here. And I think it's very tough for a team who has not consistently known what it's like to lead the division and have teams chasing you and have the target on your back to continue to win. This happened to the Mets last year where they had this massive division lead and then they played poorly for the last two months of the season and the Braves chased them down. Well, the Braves are just coming off a World Series championship. The Braves are coming off almost every year where they're either winning the division or close and they had all these people and all these players that know what it's like to be winning the division. They know what it's like to play playoff baseball, to play high leverage baseball. And the Mets, for the most part, didn't. And so I think that that helps. I think that you have an Astros team in 2020, I think was really important because they had a horrible year. They go 29 and 31 and they lose the division to the A's and then just immediately turn it on in the playoffs because the A's had no idea how to play those high leverage innings. And you come in and you have that lineup of Springer and Correa and Bregman and Altuve of all these guys who have played more playoff baseball than anyone else. And so it just, they just don't get phased by it. And so when you go into a playoff environment, when you have a team like uh, 2021 is a good example, White Sox hadn't been to the playoffs or uh, were very limited playoff uh, appearances versus an Astros team who's running out a lineup of a bunch of guys who played just all this playoff baseball. (laughs) uh, There's a mental advantage there. And I think when you get to a point, maybe late in the season, if it is close to the division race between the Astros and the Rangers, I, the Astros or the Rangers rather have plenty of talent on the offensive side. They have good pitchers. They've cobbled together a solid enough bullpen, but from a mental standpoint, they haven't been here before. A lot of their players don't necessarily know what it's like to be chased, to be the target. And the Astros have two thirds of their team just constantly used to that. And so I do think right. that they have an advantage on the mental side. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, so with that being said, 
in free agency, do you see the Astros going after a starting pitcher to kind of shift a little bit and maybe going after another bat? Or do you think if this offense gets going enough that they just maybe look for another arm? Because we don't know if McCullers is going to come back or Keedy is supposed to come back at the all-star break. You know, Luis Garcia is not going to be here till 2024. So do you, do you think that they're eyeing that they're looking at the starting pitching? Are there any names that you think that are out there that are, that are likely? I mean, What's what's the pulse right now? Are you talking about free agency after the season or trade deadline? No, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, trade deadline this year going into the playoffs 2023. I think they maybe can go get a bat, and I, but I don't think that's necessarily a priority. I think you go definitely go get an arm. You need an extra starting pitcher. And last year they had the healthiest starting pitcher season of all time, and this year it's they the did. total opposite because that's baseball. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you need someone. I think you. Arcidi has had enough little injuries here and there that maybe you are worried about whether or not he's available for uh, for the postseason. You're definitely worried about whether or not Lance McCullers Jr. is available for the postseason. And then as good as J.P. France or Brandon Belak have been filling in, and they have been excellent uh, given their role of being you know the seventh and eighth guys in right. uh, the organizational depth for starting pitchers, I don't want to see those guys throwing a single inning in the playoffs. And so mm. you do need to go get someone. Dylan Cease is going to be probably too expensive. I think the White Sox are going to be sellers. Lucas Giolito is a name that I, I would look at. Uh, he yeah, has this year. Yeah, uh, I think they can fix him. Recently just got hurt, so that maybe uh, puts an issue. But I'm trying to look through you know, the names, and I keep coming back to a guy like a Giolito who hasn't been yeah. quite that good. And I know 2019 they went and got Aaron Sanchez, and then he had like the, you know, the no-hitter, and then he gets there or whatever, and then gets hurt. Um, but there aren't a lot. And so I, I'm trying to like look through this list here of teams that aren't good who are willing to give up a guy and it just keeps coming back to a guy like a Giolito. Um, there just aren't Jordan Montgomery. Yeah, I think it's yeah, the, I think I think Montgomery, list. yeah, I think Montgomery is probably a name that's out there, but I would love to get a Giolito because I really think our pitching staff could really do, I mean. I mean, the list is long and distinguished of who they've been able to fix, who they've been able to help bring in here and become more effective. Because Giolito, when when he's on, when he's got his stuff together, I think he's one of the um, better arms in the major league. So, um, and, you know, we can, you know, I would love to have you on again sometime to explore those things. But before we go, I want I want to see, are there any like, any like memorable moments for you these last few years, maybe a cool story you can share, you know, being possibly on the field, you know, after the world series, you know, interviewing players, things like that. What are some things, some like hallmark um, moments for you um, since you've been with KPRC and covering the Astros specifically? I think just there it's less moments and just the, just the general idea of being able to build relationships with some of these players, which is something that, uh, I, I kind of think is a little easier in baseball than it is in other sports because you're just kind of there so long and uh, like on the field and batting practice. And these are just like hours and the guys have downtime. And so basketball is a little different because these guys will come out and they're locked in and they're working on their, you know, their pregame routine. And you can chat with them for a couple minutes and then they're off doing treatment or whatever. And then game time. Right. And then NFL, there's there is none of that. Like, yeah, you, you know, you're in the locker room a little bit here and there, but there's there's kind of less downtime. And then your relationships a lot of the time are built in the off season where if you know, these guys trainers and you out do, you know, feature stories on them. But for baseball, it's great because there's just like clubhouse opens at three for a seven o'clock game. Dusty talks at four, but between three and 
six when we get kicked out of the field or six thirty. You guys just like kind of hanging out for the most part. Yeah, they, they you know they do their extra infield work, they hit, um, but there's a lot of opportunity to just like chat about whatever. And so um, I use Ryan Stanick as a good example of a guy that I have a good relationship with who will just talk about whatever. And, and it's fun to just sometimes we'll talk baseball, sometimes we'll talk about like swords or whatever. I think we got onto like pirate swords <laughs> one day just randomly. That sounds um, like Stanick. <laughs> yeah. And then just, you know, restaurants or, you know, good to see, you know, the younger guys like Corey Jolks. Right. So we were talking about uh, MLB the show the other day and, you know, what version you play and just, you know, the what guy looks like themselves or um, have a good relationship <laughs> with Jeremy Pena. And it's just like, hey, do you think you look like you in this game? And, and um, I talked to Pena a little bit about that. And he's like, it's getting better. It's still not amazing. It's better than years past. Just little things like that. And so you get to find out these guys' um, personalities and just things that they they like off the field. And you get to know for a lot of it that they're normal people who like the same stuff that anyone else likes. They just happen to be freakishly good at, at a sport. And so it's the same thing that applies to NFL players and NBA players. Um, probably even more so to baseball because off the field, they don't necessarily stand out at a look wise, right? Like a six foot nine NBA player is always going to be six foot nine or an NFL player is going to, you know, an right. offensive lineman is huge. Whereas if you didn't know Alex Bregman is a pro athlete, he could walk around any mall or anywhere, any grocery store. And he's a guy, he's a five eleven, you know, pretty well built because he's a pro athlete. He's just like a guy. And so I think right. that, that kind of helps where, you know, for baseball too, these guys golf and fish and hunt and and you find out that there's regular people with regular interests and for the most part regular problems that they might be a little easier for them to solve because they make lots of money but they're you know they deal with the same kind of stuff that we all do and so i think just building relationships and knowing um that these guys just like a lot of the same stuff and eat at the same restaurants and and so it's, it's fun getting to know these players and then dusty too like Dusty's the most interesting human being on earth. Uh, I've wanted to do something where you do like six degrees of Dusty Baker because he, like you bring up anyone the other day, I think Chandler tweeted this out about uh, Tina Turner. Uh, we were talking about baseball, 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 and there's like a lull and it's like, oh yeah, you know, Tina Turner passed away recently. Hey Dusty, do you know, anytime something happens, you know, hey Dusty, do you know Jim Brown? Yep. Hey Dusty, do you know Tina Turner? Oh, I almost bought her house, but she had too much velvet in her house. Like, um, one day I was telling him about, you know, I speak Russian fluently and he's like, oh yeah, I knew lots of Russians back in uh, New York. We used to go to this secret club back when I was hanging out with John F. Kennedy Jr. Like what? what? Yeah. So, and he'll just like offhand, like you could ask him, Hey Dusty, do you know Genghis Khan from 800 years ago? Oh yeah. I met his ancestor. Like, I was in Mongolia and like, he's, he's the most great. interesting person I've ever met in sports. And I've met like. Clyde Frazier and uh, I'm trying to think who else, like I talked to Reggie Jackson quite a bit and Reggie's super interesting, but like Dusty is insane. Yeah. So we have this little segment. I'll show you this little, uh, this little sound bite we have. Cause we have a little segment on our show that we do thoughts by Dusty. <laughs> because it seems like, I mean, he is radio gold. He is, you know, he'll say something after a game. Well, if you score more runs than, than them, you're going to beat them. But if you don't, you're going to lose. Like, yeah. You know, he's so he's so matter of fact. But I even found out that uh, there's a guy that basically he he uh, he took under his wing. Um, he considers Dusty, you know, basically his father figure. 
and Dusty, um, he wrote Dusty as a kid and um, he, he, he told him he needed a mentor. He needed someone to look up to because um, he didn't have a father. And Dusty helped put him through college. Dusty helped. Um, I, I think he helped him with his first vehicle and he follows Dusty everywhere. I think he's at the Astros games a lot. Um, I don't know the guy's name. I think the guy's in his 30s now, but Dusty took him under his wing as a young kid and he took it upon himself to be this kid's mentor. And that's that's what kind of person Dusty is. He he just I mean, it's legendary enough that he was on deck when Hank Aaron hit the home run in Atlanta that Milo Hamilton happened to call. Actually, my grandfather was at that game in Atlanta. I have a bat, a wooden bat in my closet. A little, you know, the mini bats you get from, yeah. the, from the gift shop, and it has burned in it Atlanta Braves. So it, it's it's just really really cool to have something like that. You know, thank you for uh, thank you for sharing that, man. I I definitely could we could do a whole podcast. Ari just like we could call it Chronicles of Ari and just you just <laughs> share these great stories. Yeah, but that's awesome, and that's something you don't think about. Yeah, a lot of those MLB um, MLB the show. You, you're right. They really don't look like the guy as much as they try to get it. Hensley you know, looks down. really good. So his looks just like him. Matajevic's is terrible. Um, some of the bigger name players like Bregman Fromber, you know, those guys, right. those are really, they're good. They look like them. Pena's is not good. I don't, Pena's like being nice about it. And he's just like, yeah, it's getting better. Like, but it doesn't look like him. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the game, I think does a great job on your very well-known players for the most part. Right. The Aaron Judges of the world, Shohei, obviously, you know, the cover right. guys, right? Um, but then when you get to, oddly, again, David Hensley, oddly enough, really good, like, face scan, looks just like him. But then for a lot of these guys, uh, it's not. And you go through Astros, like, Corey Jolks is, is just nothing even close to what he looks like. Um, but then, like, Stanix is oddly pretty good, like, looks just like him. Uh, Front versus excellent. Yeah, so that was one, because I, I just got – a PS5 over Christmas. So I just got MLB The Show for the first time. I haven't played a wow. baseball game in years. And so now I'm just starting to notice these things of like, hey, I know these guys personally. This looks nothing like this guy, you know, when you, <laughs> you look at the game. That's great. You know, man, this is this has been a great conversation. Um, I appreciate you, you taking the time out of your busy schedule um, and sitting down with me. You know, we're going to be airing this um, over the weekend on um, Saturday. So, um, look, if you guys do not watch local news in Houston, go to KPRC, check out Ari's stuff. You even do a Sports Sunday show, correct? Yep, 1030 on Sundays on KPRC. We have a KPRC 2 Plus app that you can download on your phone that's free that you can stream stuff. We have extra streaming shows, usually during the playoffs, World Series that'll go right before the game. Um, we did one for, I was at the NFL draft a little while ago. We did a little features on uh, this. We have this local jeweler who does all the huge chains for the players that draft. Cool. Austin Co. did a uh, sit-down interview with Texas star running back B. John Robinson. So we'll do little things like that um, here and there. But for the most part, yeah, 1030 Sports Sunday, we get to explore, you know, with the 30 minutes longer topics than we would on a two, three minutes uh, on the news every night. So uh, this week we just talked about Jeremy's Pena's Pals, where he invited some Uvalde survivors and he's doing really good stuff uh, with the community every Friday home game. And 
Bregman has Bregman cares. Uh, I know Reagan, his wife will be out at, uh, there's a dodgeball tournament coming up where they'll raise some money for charity. And so a lot of the times these guys will go out and, and they, they go out and do good work uh, for the community. You, you know, you'll see Jordan and Altuve and Pena and Bregman and all these guys out in the community doing good work. Lance McCullers is another guy that, that does yeah. quite a bit of that. And so, you, you know, you get to know these guys that they, uh, they care about the community. They care about being good for the fans. And, uh, you know, sometimes people take that for granted. And I yell at the TV plenty at the Mets. Um, <laughs> but, you know, these guys are always trying and and they're not above criticism. It's OK to, to, you know, to criticize their game and, you know, and break down why this guy's not doing well or doing better or whatever. Um, but, you know, sometimes you, you do got to think about take a step back and go, hey, these are real people that are trying to live their dream and baseball's hard and they're working at it. And if they don't succeed, you know, then they don't succeed. But uh, they are people that are trying to make the best of their living. No, yeah, definitely. You know, you know, once again, I appreciate you joining the show. Thank you so much for tuning in to Locked on Astros. Ari, thank you for taking the time out. This has been a great bonus edition of Locked on Astros. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Check us out on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow Ari on Twitter. I'm sure interact with me. See you at a game. Say hi. Get a picture with us. Say, I saw you on Locked on Astros. Now you're not just famous. You're infamous. That's right. The hardest working man in Houston sports, Ari Alexander. I'm H. John Wilhouse with Locked on Astros. Remember, we're your team every day. Go Strohs.